Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 19. Now, if you've been here for the last probably three months, we've been talking about freedom. And, you know, you've seen enough scripture to realize God wants you to walk in freedom. But part of living in freedom, I believe, for every one of us, is that my interest has got to be in the future. Because that's where I'm going to spend the rest of my life at, is in the future. I can't do nothing about my past. My past is past. I cannot relive it. Neither can you. And so if I, I, I stay in my past and I use all my energy there and I use all my time and my attention on the past, it'll paralyze your future. And so once again, your past is past. I mean, every one of us in this room have things we would like to do in the past, but you can wish all you want. That's not going to happen. And so I got to close the door to the past and I got to move forward. Now, let me set the, the table here for what's going on. Here in this passage, is a, there's a man named Lot. And Lot was Abraham's nephew. And Lot lived in a region called Sodom and Gomorrah. And at this time when Lot lived there, it was consumed with wickedness and sin. So much that Father God said, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to wipe this place out. So God sends these two angels to tell Lot of his intentions. And he's warning Lot, you're going to have to get out of there. Okay? Let's begin here in Genesis 19, verse 15. So when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Now, note there who he talked to. He talked to Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, those four. Also note in there that he said, You've got a choice here. You can get out, or if you don't, you're going to face the punishment of this city. Keep reading, verse 16. And while he lingered, Lot did, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought him outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Now, right there, he gives Lot, his wife and his two daughters, very strict instruction. And he says, number one, don't look back. Don't look back. And two, don't stay in the plain, but go to the mountain. Now, for every one of us, when the Lord gives us choices here... When I obey God, God blesses me. But when I don't, guys, I'm going to pay the consequences of disobeying. Well, right here, the consequence was, if you don't do these things, you're going to be destroyed. Flat out, you're going to be destroyed. And it's interesting right here that he tells Lot and his two, uh, his, his wife and his two daughters what's fixing to happen. Look with me for time's sake into verse 26 of that same chapter. And it says, but his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So what happened to her? Exactly what this angel said was going to happen. You're going to be destroyed. And so when she looked back, guys, she lost her life. She lost her family. She lost her future. She lost her existence. And so I believe in in just this right here, that when we live in our past, 
I'm going to tell you guys, you're going to experience some things that will try to destroy your future. Now, you won't become as a pillar of salt, but you'll become as lifeless as a pillar of salt because most of the stuff that we focus on in our past is our past mistakes. The things we've done in our life that haven't always been the best. And so as you look at this, don't consume your todays by feeding on your yesterdays. i got to keep moving forward. Now, this passage right here, it surfaces back in the New Testament. It shows back up. Luke 17, 32, this was Jesus' words. Now, you want to do a, a great study time, sometime? Just go through the New Testament and look how many times Jesus himself quotes the Old Testament. It's incredible how many times he does. But here in Luke 17, 32, he gives us three words. And you know what Jesus says? Remember Lot's wife. Those three words show up right there. And so when Jesus says this, you know what I think he's telling us? Don't look back. Don't look back like she did. He's telling us you must go on in order to, to, to find the things of life that God has for you. And every time in my life that I look back, there's going to be consequences for it. It's not always going to be well because, listen, the devil will try to use yesterday's mistakes to keep you from living today. Think about how the devil does this. Many times, you know what he does? He reminds us of yesterday's inventory. Everything we did wrong. And then he'll begin to get you to begin to rehearse it in your mind. And then, you know what? He'll begin to tell you, you shouldn't have done that. And before long, we focus on all those things we did yesterday. And the reason he does that? He wants to steal your future. He wants to take from you. And so today, listen, I don't care what your past is. God will forgive you of that. God will bless you and He'll help you where you can keep moving forward. Now go with me into the New Testament. It's in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I'm going to paraphrase a passage in Genesis 37. And it was a passage about a man named Jacob. And Jacob had... Twelve sons. And the eleventh son was a son named Joseph. And so at this time in, in Genesis 37, Joseph is 17 years old. And Joseph has this incredible dream. Now think about your dreams. What do your dreams pertain to? The future. The future. And so I'm going to tell you right now, when God gives you dreams or things pertaining to your future... That doesn't necessarily mean right now. God is just preparing you to get ready. He's going to try to help you get there. But that doesn't necessarily mean now. And so Joseph, as a 17-year-old, he goes and tells his father and these ten older brothers the dream God had given him. And basically it said, all of you are going to bow down before me. And so because of Joseph's arrogance, and his pride, you know what his older brothers want to do? They want to kill him. Literally, they wanted to kill him. Instead, they sold him as slaves to some Ishmaelites who ultimately sold him to e into Egypt to a man named Potiphar. 
And so now he's a slave in Egypt. Now think about this, guys. He's gone from all these freedoms in his life, from having this great dream to all of a sudden, he's a slave in Egypt. What's up, God? What's going on, God? And so while he's there in Egypt, he begins to obtain some favor from Potiphar. He begins to run all of Potiphar's house. But before long, Potiphar's wife has the hots for him. And Joseph says this in Genesis 37. He said, I cannot sin before God. He tells her that. I can't. And so she falsely accuses him. So now, he's not even a slave anymore. He's thrown into prison. And so once again, he's got to look at his life and think, what's up, God? I had this great dream, and now I've gone from a slave to a prison. So from the time he had the dream till the time he left the prison was 12 years. 12 years. Now, in saying this, with every one of us in here, in this thing called life, we can be hurt by someone or something. And many times when we get hurt by someone or something, what ends up happening, just like Joseph, we have a choice how we'll respond to those hurts. And the choice is this, you'll either get better or you're going to get bitter. And when I get bitter, guys, I'm going to tell you, I'm never going to walk into my future. So there's things that Joseph does that we can learn from. But until we get back to Joseph's story, look here in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read what the Apostle Paul says. And I believe this right here will help you get through some past hurts. Some past pains, some past bondages. Even things that maybe your family has done to you. Maybe your father, maybe a loved one. And, and we're going to learn some things right here. Romans 12. Begin reading with me in verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Huh. Repay no one evil for evil. Now many times in our lives, even in the area of blame, when we begin to blame other people for the things in our life to keep us from fulfilling things, that blame will keep me trapped where I'm at. You know why? Because I'm always looking back. I remember what they did. Now right here, the Apostle Paul said what? Repay no one evil for evil. So what's our human tendencies as human beings? I'm going to get even. Paybacks are tough. And then there's this whisper that says to you over and over, you can't let them get away with that. You can't let them do that to you. How many of you ever heard that whisper? I have. And so when I listen to that voice, all the things that they've done to me, they resurface. And I look back and I keep looking back. So he says, repay no one evil for evil. Now get this. Have regard or respect for good things. Now right here the Apostle Paul's telling me and you, we must intentionally aim at doing good things. If you don't aim at doing good things, you won't do good things. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's kind of like exercising. If you don't make the decision to exercise, you can talk about it every day. But before long, that treadmill, it collects a lot of dust waiting on you. 
And so this is the same thing. I must aim. In other words, I must purpose in my heart. I'm not going to repay evil for evil. Now look who he says this toward. In the sight of all men. Notice, he didn't say in the sight of God himself. He said in the sight of all men. So this tells me right here, my evil that I want to repay for evil cannot be aimed at other people. Notice in there, he didn't say if they apologized, if they said they're sorry. He just said, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And there's a lot of you that you know what your motto is? I'll forgive them when they tell me they're sorry. Well, i got some bad news for you. That day may not ever happen. And it probably won't happen. And so my walking in freedom is not dependent on them telling me I'm sorry, they're sorry. My freedom depends on me just saying, you know what? I'm going to do what God said right here. Keep reading. Verse 18. If it is possible as much as depends on you. I don't know about you. There's times in my life I'd like to scribble that part out there. As much as depends on you. Luke, it did not say as much as depends on them. It said as much as depends on you. So right here through the scriptures, it throws the ball back into my court. What am I going to do with these things that have happened in my life? What are you going to do with it? Now think about what we talked about even in the area with Joseph. And his family had wronged him. They had done him bad, but right here, even through the scriptures, I believe David had to walk, or Joseph had to walk this out. He had to make the choice. So, read on. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I highlighted that in my Bible, with all men, live peaceably. Do you know that, that Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. You know what, guys? To be a peacemaker, I'm going to tell you, you got to really love Jesus. And you got to learn to put your flesh under and say, you know what? I'm going to be a peacemaker. I can't, I can't control what other people can do, but I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to do these verses. Now, verse 19, beloved brethren, fellow believers, Do not avenge yourselves. That word avenge comes from the same root word as revenge. Do not avenge or revenge yourself. In other words, don't get even. Rather, give place to wrath. The Amplified says, rather give place to God's wrath. How's that? For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord said, I'll repay. He didn't tell you to repay. And one translation says right here, God says, I'll take care of it. If you do your part, God will do his part. I promise. But everything within our flesh says, I got to get even. I got to get even with them. But really to walk in freedom, guys, I got to obey this. I got to let these things go. And there's not one person in this room that hasn't had some type of evil done to you. It comes down to what I said earlier. The choice is how I respond. I'll either get bitter and keep living in the past and rehearsing all that goes on. Or I'll get better. And I'll turn it over to the Lord. How do I get better? Look what he says in verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, tell him tough luck. 
That's not what it said. That's why you need to open your Bible. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Now, you know what this does? This goes against everything within me as a human being. I don't want to do this to people who have been evil to me. But yet, when, when Apostle Paul, through the Word of God, tells us this, i got to obey it. Now, look what he goes on to say. For in so doing, not just talking about, but for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You know what it says in the, the message? You will surprise him with your goodness. Now, what goes on here is, is this is one of the things I believe that Joseph had to do to his own brothers. He had to heap uh, uh, coals of fire upon their head. And so every time that you obey verse 20, and I'm going to tell you, you are blessing or letting God bless you. God is moving in your life. He's helping you where you are letting go of evil and letting go of evil and letting go of evil and saying, okay, I'm going to just keep, keep heaping these coals of fire upon their head. I'm going to keep loving them. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, when he says do not be overcome by evil, you know what? That's a strong possibility. That can happen. So there's two choices here. Choice one is you're going to be overcome by evil or you're going to overcome evil how? By good. By good. And so, like I said earlier, I believe this is exactly what Joseph did. And when I learn to overcome the evil in my life by good, you know what I do? I go totally against of what the devils want me to do. It goes totally opposite. And when I begin to do that, guys, I release what Father God said He would do in verse 19. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Now, I don't do it just to have vengeance. But what happens is when I overcome evil by doing good, you know what you've done? You've released an inner poison from within you. You've let all that poison get out of you. And so when I do that, get ready guys. God is going to start blessing you. Now go back a couple pages to Matthew or to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read starting in verse 31. I'm going to skip verses just for time's sake. I'm going to read verse 31, 33, 35, 37. All right, let's start in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I'm going to tell you, that is a great passage to get in your heart where you begin to realize, if God is for me, everybody else might as well be too. Because when God's for me, nobody can be against me. Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Now, what is he talking about? Who's God's elect? Well, that's cross-referenced into 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a peculiar people. That's God's elect. That's me and you. If you have given your heart to Jesus you are one of God's elect. You are one of God's chosen. And look what it says there in verse 33. It is God who justifies. God will justify you. In other words, you don't have to justify yourself. Just let God justify you. And when I read that, I think about what God did with Joseph. 
Joseph kept serving God and kept seeking God. And ultimately, God justified him. He'll do the same for you and me. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now I want you to look at all these who's. Tribulation. Distress. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness. Peril. Or sword. Now right here, I believe the Apostle Paul is warning us that all these things, these who's, whether it's sufferings, afflictions, tribulations, persecutions, things that come after you guys, what was the design, did Paul say? The design of every one of these things is to separate you from God. you got to realize, when these things are happening in your life, when you're being afflicted, when you're suffering, when you're being persecuted, every one of those are to target you to sever your connection to God. Is that not what he said at the last? He said there... That, that these are there to separate us from the love of Christ. And so get ready, guys, that these things are going to try to come after you. No matter who you are, you're going to go through some things. But oh, look at the, ver- the, the good news in verse 37. Yet in all these things, yet in all these sufferings, Yet in all these tribulations, yet in all this distress and persecutions, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So you know what He's telling me right there? I don't care what you're going through, you're more than a conqueror. You can. Now note in there, right there, He said, yet in all these things, yet in all these things, He didn't say, I'm going to supernaturally build you a subway where you go underneath all these things. And he didn't say, I'm going to build an overpass in your life where you get to go over all them. Nor did he say, I'm going to build a special bypass for you in your life where you get to go around them. He said, no, yet in all these things. So you know what he's telling me? When you're walking in the very midst of attacks, no matter which one of these it was, Understand this, through Jesus, I'm more than a conqueror. You know what that tells me? He's not going to put more on you than you can handle. He's going to help you. You know, in Psalm 23, it says this, that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what that means? I'm in it. It didn't say, yet I get to bypass it. See, what happens when we get in the shadow of the valley of death in our lives? Too many times we look back to all the things that happen. We look at all the negatives and when that becomes my focus, you know what we do? We quit going through. We pitch a tent. And we hibernate right there in the valley of the shadow of death. And you know what? When you stay in that arena of life, it's not pleasant. So understand this. Yea, though you may be going through some things, you're more than a conqueror. Now, I want you to go backwards a little bit and look at Romans 8, verse 28 right here. Look at this. And we know. And we know. He didn't say we think. Or this is a possibility. you got to get this inside, you guys. And we know that all things work together for good... To those who love God. 
All things work together for good. Even in hardships, guys, even through the things you're going through, things can work together for your good. Now, that doesn't mean it may be easy. And it may not be the most convenient. And it may not be overnight. There's a promise right here. That all things work together for good to who? To those who love God. So as long as I keep loving God and I keep serving God, God is going to take what was meant for evil and turn it to good. I keep my heart right. But he didn't quit there. Look at this. To those who are the called according to his purpose. You know what his purpose means right there? A deliberate plan. Now God's got a deliberate plan. And so I want to tie this in with Joseph. Remember he had this dream. And that dream was a plan of God's. It was a purpose of God's. And so guess what Joseph's got to do? He's got to keep serving God. He's got to keep looking to God because God's got a purpose for him. And remember, and because I know the end of the story with Joseph, God took everything in his life that was bad and made it good. Now, he'll do the same for you. He's no respecter of persons, but I got to live my life like Joseph did. Now, I want you to go back in the book of Genesis, chapter number 41. Chapter 41, don't don't let your life, life's problems, the things that have happened to you consume your life. Don't let that be your focus, guys. And, And with Joseph, he couldn't have allowed that to be his focus. Now think about this in life. How many times does your problem become your promotion? Almost always. The very problem you're having right now in life will become your promotion. Give me an illustration. I'm glad you asked. What about King David? His his problem at one time was a giant named Goliath. But that problem called Goliath became David's promotion. Now David didn't get around him. He didn't play hide and go seek with him. He had to confront him face to face. And he had to go at him. It's the same with you. Well see in David's or Joseph's life here. The problem was he was in prison. He had been lied about. Talked about. Used, abused, falsely accused. Every one of those. But yet he kept his heart right. Yet he kept serving God in the worst situations. The worst circumstances possible. And because of it God prospered him. Now, I want you to see something here. And this passage here in Joseph's life, Joseph has now been out of prison. And from the time he had the dream at 17 till now, he's now 34 years old. 17 years have elapsed. And a lot of times when the years of our life elapse, we look at it as wasted time. But it's not wasted time. You know what Joseph was doing for those 17 years? He was working on his kingdom resume. In other words, he was building some character. God was putting some integrity in him. God was teaching him about life. Why? To get him in position where he could handle the dream. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if you've had great dreams in your life, don't give up on them. But understand this. God's not going to put you in that dream until you're ready. The worst thing that can happen to people is they get put in a position before they're ready. 
That's not good. And so don't give up on the dream. Now look here. Genesis 41, verse 50. And, Joseph, and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, who ascendeth the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. Now this is, this is Joseph's wife. So no longer he's in prison. He's married now. He is now the, the uh, Potiphar's right-hand man. Or he's the Pharaoh's right-hand man. So he's got two boys. Now listen, verse 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Why is that important? Because the word Manasseh itself, the little, the little translation means he's making forgetful. And so every time Joseph would say Manasseh, you know what he was saying? He's making forgetful. He's making forgetful. He's making forgetful. Well, what does that mean? We'll keep reading. For God has made me forget all my toil and my father's house. And so he just didn't name him Manasseh because that was a cool name. There was purpose in that, guys. When they named their children, there was purpose. And he said, God has made me forget all my toil. All my hardship, all my pain, all my suffering that I went through. And as I read that, I think about many of us. You've been through some pain. You've been through some hardship. But you know what Father God will do? He will allow you to have a Manasseh experience in your life. Just as he did Joseph. But he didn't quit there. And the name of the second, he called Ephraim. And the literal meaning of Ephraim was to be fruitful. So every time he yelled out Ephraim, you know what he was saying? Woo! To be fruitful. To be fruitful. Well, what does that mean? We'll keep reading. And he said, he named the second Ephraim, For God has caused me to be fruitful. Now I want you to get this. Where at? In the land of my affliction. Right there in the very place, guys, where he had suffered. Where he had experienced a lot of sorrow. So what does that have to do with you and me? Same thing, guys. You see Romans 8.28 right here. That God caused all things to work together for his good because he kept serving him. And so when, when Joseph would look at those two boys, you know what I think those two boys said? I never quit. I never gave up. I kept serving God. I kept moving toward the things of the kingdom. And now, guess what? God has got, made me forget all my past. He's brought new memories to me. And on top of that, I can live a life of fruit and purpose. It's the same for you. That's what God wants to do with every one of us in this room. I don't care what's happened to you. God wants to take that and move, that, move you in that direction. I want you to listen to some numbers. He's 17 when he has the dream. He's 29 when he gets out of prison. He's 34 when he has these boys. But from the time that he had the dream... Until he confronted his ten older brothers who had despised him was 22 years. 
22 years, guys. And if you study the passage, when his brothers came on the scene, he wept. He wept. He had walked in forgiveness toward them and he loved them and he hugged them and he kissed them. He heaped coals of fire upon their head. See, no matter what the dreams God's placed in your heart right now, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't think that God's forgot about me. And don't allow the past hurts and pains in your life to keep you from moving toward those. He's a great God. He puts dreams. You know, in my own life, I was 21. I'd served the devil for about 20 years of my life. And when I got born again, I had a, a, a strong desire for the things of the ministry. I go to Bible school at 21. I graduate. Me and Shelly do it at 21. I'm 21. She's even younger than that. And my thought is, oh my goodness, the world is waiting for me to come and preach. Nothing happens and I'm 25. Nothing happens and I'm 30. Nothing really happens and I'm 35. And you know what's going on in all those years? I'm building a kingdom resume. You know why? Because God knew if I put you in this position before you're ready, you're going to cause more problems than good. Now, when I was going through all that, I was mad at God. God, what's up? God had a plan. And so I remember in my 30s, guys, I became very content where I was. And I realized, you know what? I don't have to have a podium to preach. Neither do you. Don't think, well, once I get up here on the podium, I got it made. No, that's not what it's about. And so I begin to figure out God wanted to use me right where I worked. I worked with a bunch of heathens. You've heard me tell me or tell the stories. When I would say good morning to them, you know how they said good morning? They'd shoot me the finger. I think, praise God. Praise God. Bless them. Bless them. And you know, things like that years ago, you know, when people do that years ago, you want to fight. Not no more, you just want to love them. And I realized these guys needed to be loved. And then God gave me a special congregation. You know where it was? In the alleys of Clovis. I lived in the alleys, that's what I did. And so guess who I saw in the alleys? I saw the winos, I saw the uh, homeless, I saw the, forget, the forgotten ones. People that the world had forgotten about. And all of a sudden, I begin to see the love of God just work in me. And I realized, God wanted me to love these people. And I'm telling you guys, when I would see that they had died in the newspaper, it would crush me. I'd tell Shelly, I knew him. I knew him. I knew her. But God kept putting purpose in me. Purpose in me. And finally, just like Joseph... Because all those years of just continually serving God, God finally moved me in a position where He could use me. I'll never forget when we were out on Briarcroft. We hadn't been there very long. And uh, one of our ushers came to me and they said, Pastor, this gentleman back here on the back row, he wants to talk to you after the service. Well, I knew what that meant. He needed money. And so it, it ticked me off to a certain degree. It bothered me. It shouldn't have, but it did. And so after the service, he came up to me and he introduced himself. And I'm thinking he's going to stick out his hand and say, I need money. And you know what he says to me? I need to know that Jesus that you just talked about. And I felt about this big. 
And the Lord brought me back into those alleys how people were special. And you know what the Lord said to me right there? The man reeked of dumpsters. He reeked of urine. He reeked of everything that a homeless person would reek. And God said to me, he said, my son died for that smell. And I looked back in my life and I said, thank God. Thank God. God has trained me to love people. To love people. And so I got to walk out a lot of these things, guys. How God had, had took what was meant for evil, the bad, and, and used it for good. And I can sit here and tell you today, I've done horrible things. I realize that, but you know what? I'm not going to keep looking back at all the things I did. I'm going to look forward and say, I'm going to serve you every day, Father God. I'm gonna try. And you know what? You do the same thing. And watch what God will do you. He will cause you to have that Manasseh and that Ephraim oil on your life. Stand up with me. Man, I thought you guys would really shout today. I thought, man, this is good. This is good. Boy, it stirred me back up on the inside. Listen, bow your head with me right now. 